Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. Ah, yeah, you know what it is. Hard worker, scrappy, unfiltered, and sometimes unhinged football content. Hard to explain, but you know it when you see it. Doing it daily, our way. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Redraft and Dynasty Fantasy Football, we got you covered. You know their defense is ranked like 31st in the NFL? NFL draft prospects and rookies? Now you know you in the right place for that. Absolutely. All right, then stop saying it. Then we're done. And prop bets with my man Jay Rich. Count that money, man. Now wipe the crust out of your eyes. Get you a cup of coffee. It's time to wake your ass up with Ray G. You honestly are making absolutely no sense and you sound silly as hell. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. It is Thursday, April the 7th, 2022. We are scrambling to get shit done, but we are glad you decided to wake up. Ray G, hopefully ESPN is watching. Um, you know, Adam Schefter getting paid 45 mil a year uh, or $45 million contract. Troy Aikman, 90 million. Joe Buck, 75 M's. Jay, I tweeted ESPN yesterday, said if they're looking for some diversity, some equity, some inclusion in their YouTube division, come holler at us. Bunch of white guys, get some of the brothers on ESPN talking a little fantasy football, talking a little prospects, talking a little players. Get us on there. We're ready. Wake up is ready. ESPN, come holler at us. Jay Rich, how you doing, baby? What? I'm good, man. I'm good. I was get, laughing. Get, get I was ready. laughing because get ready. I was I was laughing because you said if you want some equity, I'm like, I don't know what equity we bring, but we certainly bring some equality to ESPN's programming. But uh, I'm good, face. man. I'm good. You know, I'm repping the your Red Sox jersey opening day, baby. Uh, but yeah, my face because the problem was I'm, I'm I'm trying to get the airplay to work. You know, we got those airplay issues over here Bro. on the TV. Trying to get the airplay to work. It didn't work. I don't and have so I'm like, you know what? I'll just on. turn the TV off. But, bro, when you open the show, the mic ain't even in front of you. I'm like, oh, my God, man. I was already telling you that I woke up super late this morning. So I was just like, damn, man, we got to do the show. We got to get everything ready. But we're here, man. A bit of a lengthy intro. Almost five minutes to get us settled in. We're here now. Good morning Jay to everybody who's here. I'm excited, Jay rolled man. out of bed. Deal. Jay rolled out of his non-bed bed sheets and uh, just jumped on. Literally rolled out of the bed because yep. y'all don't, don't even think know. You, people don't think you have bed sheets for whatever reason. Uh, I, I don't know, no, no, but no. we're glad that we're glad that people are tapped in today. Thank y'all for for dropping by on this Thursday. You know, it's our Friday for the show. Shout out to our partners, Prize Picks. If you live in Arizona. If you live in Arizona, you can now play with us. You can now use the promo code Wake Up, instant deposit match up to $100, dollar for dollar. Make sure you use the promo code Wake Up. Tap the link in the description, real easy for you. MLB opening day is today. I know nothing about baseball, but I get what 162 get days to bet this damn game, uh, Jay. You better believe. 162, 162 games per team. You get about like. Yeah, I More get than mad that, bets. Like 250 days to bet. Yeah, I get mad bets. So we're gonna be we're gonna figure it out. Jay, Jay and Jay, Jordan and Jordan are helping build a model for the baseball betting. So we will be doing that. So make sure you tap in. Uh, but we got to talk rookies. I don't think there was any news yesterday, Jay. Did we miss anything uh, news wise? I don't think anything really popped off yesterday, bro. No, it was a pretty light day news wise. You know, you see a few things come through the wire. The biggest news mostly is that the XFL new logo came out was one of the big things that I saw. People were hyped about that. It looked like the uh, Dell XPS logo for anyone who's familiar with that. I was that gave me a little bit of a chuckle. And then the uh, the Bucks re-signed Blaine Gabbert. But outside of that, um, not a ton. You know, it's it's small stuff. And the big thing that we're not really 
announcing on the show is more so that teams are starting their, you know, their spring camps and people are starting to come back to the building. Um, and then I don't know if you saw the video of CD Lamb doing his what was kind of a release package video. Uh, so he's it, training for his, his, his year of eliteness in the I NFL. But yeah, I saw him doing some training and stuff like that. So it's, it's interesting for sure. Um, but yeah, mostly inconsequential from a news perspective. Nothing that we got to talk about too serious. But yeah, I see who is this in the chat? Stone talking about Blaine Gabbert. Did you even know he was on the Saints? The Saints or the you said the Bucks? Well, he was on the Saints, but uh, like no one even knew he was on the Saints. Yeah, he was on the Saints, but then when they signed Andy Dalton, he actually asked them and requested a release, and everyone was like, "What the hell? We didn't even know he was on the Saints." But yeah, no, no he resigned with the Bucks. No, I didn't know that. Uh, Derek, uh, Stingley, Derek Stingley Jr., one of the top cornerback prospects in the class, had his pro day yesterday, balled out. I think it was official 4-4 for Stingley. Anytime you run a 40-yard dash with a scully on, uh, you're that guy. He just had a damn beanie on running a 40, and it didn't even look like he was running fast. Like, wasn't look didn't look like he was trying very hard, and he still dropped a 4-4, 38-inch vertical jump. Uh, for me, my cornerback, too, I, I like Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner is uh, that, that length. Uh, physicality, I, I like what he does, but uh, Stingley's going to be a top top 15 pick in the NFL draft. So good for Derek Stingley. But let's get into this mock. So we took a look at a mock from uh, Oliver, what was his last name? I, I want to say Oliver oh, man, Stone, his last name but was that's, long. A, that's a producer in Hollywood. It's definitely not Oliver Stone uh, doing mocks for PFN. But we took a look at that mock. We will have that link to his his credit and his work in the description. But we look at the, we took a look at that mock on Monday um, and just went through four rounds. It was a four round NFL mock draft. And what we decided to do with the patrons over at Destination Devi, patreon.com forward slash all gas support the movement. But we decided to do a four round super flex rookie mock draft based off of the landing spot and draft capital from this mock. Again, another exercise to get us ready for the inevitable chaos that's going to ensue here in the next couple of weeks because everybody you think that's going to go round one, they're not. Everyone you think that should go round three, they're going to go in round two, round one, and round four. So all hell is going to break loose. So these are good exercises as we lead up to the NFL draft. And as some of you, you know, participate in dynasty startup drafts now, uh, rookie drafts before the NFL draft or those that happen right after, you know, the more practice you get, the better, you know, the better equipped you are to make moves um, in your rookie draft. So we decided to do that. And I'll just say for me, uh, this one, this one was, uh, it was a little different, man. Like it felt like the, uh, the, the rookie mock was harder. Uh, we did the same exercise with Chad Reuter's mock uh, from NFL.com uh, last week, and it felt like easy. It was like, oh, I, I can see. This is what I would do. But based on some of these landing spots and draft capital, this shit was hard, Jay. This one was um, this was a little more difficult for me to kind of decipher and work through. What were your, just, what were your thoughts about like this uh, Oliver Hodgkinson? That's his name. Shout out to Oliver Hodgkinson. Um, what was your thoughts on, on this mock in particular compared to the last one? Well, I think a lot of it remained the same. I think for me, the better part was that I, I did not have a early pick this time. So the biggest thing was that I was able to get a player in the second round I was actually happy with instead of being stuck with Trey McBride or Carson Strong or John Mechie or whoever, someone I, I wasn't as happy with. So I, I think that's the big difference for me is, you know, when I'm drafting here, it reiterated that I want basically a top 17, top 16 pick. If I don't have that, it's just not going to be pretty based off what we're seeing from landing spots, what we're seeing from some of these other players and where they're going. 
otherwise I was okay with it. You know, like I, I think I got some decent players in the third round. I think the most interesting part, right, is seeing the value fluctuation at the end of the rookie draft because of where these guys were drafted in the mock, right? That yeah. for me is kind of the coolest part is is you see where these value fluctuations kind of go and and for us, you know, we saw a lot of movement. We saw, you know, Brian Robinson kind of going in the second round and this time he went in the third round. And so it's just it reminds us that this draft capital really does sway people a lot and and it will really determine where these guys ultimately go. But for me, it's still the biggest takeaway is if you don't have like a top 17, top 16 pick, you're probably yeah. not going to be too happy with what you're getting. But the first round basically locked in. It just comes down to is who are the guys that we want at the top of the second. And that, I think, is where the landing spot swings will come from. Is, is If you have a really good landing spot and you're a questionable prospect, you could be vaulted up to the you know middle top of the second round because there just isn't that much depth from a talent perspective to where so you have to take guys. Over. We had a couple of people in here who participated in that. They're, uh, they're Heisman tier members. Uh, over at the Patreon, Dynasty Bear, he agreed. Evan said, Rookie Mock was brutal this time with less QBs going early. In Dynasty Bear, yeah. 83, shout out to y'all's support, man. He said facts. He was also in this mock. And I didn't say good morning to anybody, so I apologize. Marlon, you were the first person to tap in. Good morning to you. Rojo Fish, he's a patron. DG Dalton is a patron. Ty, patron. Bruning, patron. All the patrons tapped in early. Shout out to y'all. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Gretchen, how are you doing? Good morning. I have not seen Gretchen tap in to the show so good morning to you Gretchen thank you for being here Paul big shy Cody Carpentier uh remember me Cody future cast we're going up tomorrow make sure you tap into us and uh he's got some stuff popping off some Twitter spaces Joe our girl the resident DD woman of DD she's always in the building with Lindsay Mack her co-running mate the women taking over where's uh where's Jasmine at where's the where's the three musketeers Lindsay Joe and Jazz JLJ, the, the three musketeers at DD. Um, got a lot of new people in here that I haven't seen before. Jay Peters always in the building. Rico Stone, Patrick, Victor. What's going on, y'all? All right. All right, all right, all right. Let's give a quick reminder of what the uh, the PFN 360 mock who Jay's talking about. Don't be talking about people's mocks, Joe. Joe is talking about, uh, let's take a reminder of where these players went. So let's look. First round of this thing. We had, uh, this was the first round of fantasy-relevant players, right? So we had Malik Willis coming off the board at five overall. Pittsburgh traded up. Kenny Pickett, I think we can lock this in stone. Kenny Pickett to Carolina. Go get If you're a Panthers fan, go get your Pickett jersey now because he's being drafted by the Panthers. The Jets, we saw reports that they offered the 10th overall pick for DK Metcalf. Whether that was true or not, the Jets won a wide receiver, so they decided to go with Garrett Wilson. J-Mo at 15. Drake London, Kansas City traded up. They said, oh, shit, run on wide receivers. Got to go get Big Drizzy. They traded up to 19 to get Drake London. Chris Olave, I think the best fit. Green Bay Packers went at 22. Traylon, pair him with Ryan Tannehill, with Derrick Henry, and with A.J. Brown. You got the Monstars on Tennessee. And then Jahan Dotson went at the back of the first round. Let's go to the second round real quick and just talk about uh, the players who got picked there. Where's that at? That's first round. Where's that? Second round. All right. Second round was a little slimmer, right? We didn't see a lot of quarterbacks. Second round, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, George Pickens, Christian Watson. Brees Hall was RB1 off the board, 57 overall to Buffalo. Then we had Alec Pierce, our boy Antoine, coming off the board to ATL, going to the Mecca 
Going to the Mecca, Antoine, white boy, can run. Love Alec Pierce, man. He's rising, man. I really think second-round draft capital is in play for this athletic freak at wide receiver. And then K-9, Kenneth Walker to the Kansas City Chiefs at the back of the second round. Then we rolled around three, and it got a little bit. There we go. Sam Howell off the board. Trey McBride, Sky Moore to Houston, Calvin Austin, John Metzi, Carson Strong, Jalen Tolbert, Isaiah Likely, who ran a 4-8, had a low RAS score. I'm just saying... I'm out on these tight ends. If it's not Trey McBride or a shot on Jelani Woods, I don't want any of these guys in 2022. Isaiah Spiller comes off the board to Houston in the third round. Seems like an ideal landing spot for him. Romeo Dubs saw him get jammed up at the line of scrimmage. Every play at the Senior Bowl, no thank you. Arizona took David Bell. Greg Dolce, 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 and Gurbana came off the board at 91 to Tampa Bay. Jelani Woods, Green Bay, love the fit. San Francisco gets Rashad White to back up Elijah Mitchell. And in the fourth round, we saw a bunch of fringe guys. Jeremy Rucker, Tyler Alzier, the, the Texas A&M wide receiver. I can't pronounce his name. Jerome Ford, Trey Berry. Uh, don't even know who he is. Uh, Justin Ross, Jake Ferguson, Caleb Ellerby, Khalil Shakir, James Cook. Remember in the last mock, James Cook was coming off the board in the second. Here he comes off the board in the fourth. Probably where I would take him, right? Pierre Strong. San Francisco just goes back to another running back, right? An another one. Just another one. Another one, DJ Khaled style. Tyquan Thornton to Kansas City, Cade Otten, terrible tight end, goes to Cincinnati. Danny Gray, the new hotness from SMU to Pittsburgh, I guess. Damian Pierce there to replace J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards because they're all the same. They're all the same back. So Baltimore says let's get Damian Pierce and then double tap and go back with Charleston Rambo and then the guy from Maryland. So that was the mock. I'm going fast. That's that's repetition, baby. That's repetition. Where you can just rattle that shit off like that. that. I'm feeling good, Jay. I'm feeling good, baby. All right, let's go. First round, what did it look like? Where did I pick at in this mock? I picked You were back to back. I picked 107. And where were you at? 108? All right. Yeah. Let's look at it. Let's yeah. see. Based on that, let's let's pull up the... So here how here's how round one went based off of this mock. All right, price fix. We're going to move you out the way for a little bit. We need a little more screen real estate. Uh, and let's just have round one pulled up, all right? Let's just have round one pulled up. Here's how it looked, Jay. Brees Hall comes off the board at 101. He was not selected in round one. He got picked in round two. Let's just pull that up just to have it. All right, let's move round two over here to you. Let's move that there. Shift some shit around, yada, yada, yada. There we go. Make it smaller on my side so they can see me. All right, Brees Hall comes off the board at one. Malik Willis at two. Remember, Malik went to Pittsburgh at 105. Kenneth Walker, second-round pick to Kansas City, goes at 103. My question to you, Jay, is there any shot, any shot that we see, if this played out this way, Kenneth Walker to Kansas City, Brees Hall to Buffalo, would anybody take K-9 over Brees Hall or Malik Willis at 102? 100%. It, it's not even a question. The question is, is that are our people, the good people who tap into this show every day, going to make that same mistake? Are they going to bet on the situation over the talent again? And I hope they don't because I think it'd be a mistake. But I, to your point, will someone do it? Will people do it? Absolutely. It's, it's just, it's Kansas City. It's too juicy. It's too enticing, you know? It's just, you know, leads into bad decisions, Kansas City. But, you know, I don't, it's not a Clyde Edwards-Alaire situation. I still believe that given those two situations, I would take Brees Hall. But there will be people who absolutely will take K-9. Absolutely. No question.
Hey, we're going to give you some time to wake up. Everybody's saying you look very tired, so let's just do this real quick for a couple of picks. All right, at 104, Kenny Pickett came off of the board, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, and Traylon Burks off of the board. So there we go. We see the run on wide receiver. Uh, hell, just Jamison Williams. So, you know, in this mock, Matt Corral comes off the board to Seattle um, at the top of the second. Would you take all these wide receivers over a quarterback that gets – uh, you know, top 40 draft capital. Matt Corral to Seattle, Desmond Ritter to Atlanta, you know, the top half of the second round, or Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, or Jamison Williams. Just your thoughts on that cluster of wide receivers. Uh, you know, I, I think Drake London, he goes to Kansas City. If they trade up to take him, you're going to see him this high. You, you may see him over Kenny Pickett. Um, super flex leagues, I don't know if I would personally advocate for doing that. It depends on how you feel about Kenny Pickett, right? But uh, Drizzy Drake, Garrett Wilson, Traylon, and J-Mo over Matt Corral. What are your thoughts here, man? So for me, based off what I'm seeing so far, it would definitely be Drake London and Garrett Wilson over Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter. But I think the case can be made after that. You know, I've, I've been talking about how Traylon Burks is a guy who's, you know, going in the back of the first, and he's not he's not going as high as we hoped he would. And for me, if I'm going to be taking a wide receiver, it has to be a guy who's extremely high draft capital. The guys who've been getting this really high draft capital have been just getting peppered with targets over the years. I think it's a trend that's going to continue throughout the NFL landscape. If you're drafting a wide receiver this high, you need them to produce. And I think we've seen that at least they will get the opportunity. And, you know, if you if you take talk about Garrett Wilson going to New York and you talk about um, Drake London going to Kansas City, if they're drafted this high, they're going to be taken really, really high and get a lot of targets. So, so for me... I would be fine taking those two because I really believe in them. Burks is a guy that I believe in with the talent, but if the situation, like you said, in Tennessee, he's never going to be the guy. Until A.J. Brown leaves, He's it's just that's what's going to be because I believe A.J. Brown's a superior wide receiver. So at that point, if you're saying, okay, I prefer Matt Corral in Seattle, I think they can build around him, which for me is questionable. We'll see, right? We'll see. I, I think there's a case to be made, but I think that I would still take London and Wilson over those two guys. J-Mo, it's just the landing spot, right? It's Philly. Do, do I want to bet on Philly making the right decisions over the long term? I don't know, man. I love J-Mo, but I don't know if I could take him over a, a, a quarterback in a better situation where, you know, they're going to build around him and ultimately be good with him versus Hurts and potential new guy. I don't know, man. I don't love okay. that situation. Personally. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You talk about me being long-winded, man. All I did was, is Matt Corral, would you do that? And five minutes later, I legit... No joke, have no clue what you just said. Um, Isaiah Spiller at 110, Chris Olave at 111, and then Desmond Ritter snuck into the back of the first round um, in this mock. So Desmond Ritter, back of the first round, over George Pickens, over Jahan Dotson. Um, we saw uh, Isaiah Spiller at the 110 spot. So I've been waiting for this because still, let's let's use historical data to justify why I still think he probably, if he gets third-round draft capital, why he should be a good pick. Shout-out to our director of analytics, Jordan Backus, one of the best in the game. I put him up against anybody in the space when it comes to analytics. So let's just take a look at drafted running backs. Let's go back to 2015 because that's when we really saw a shift to pass-catching running backs. Like Going back to 2004, they were NFL, they were taking running backs one overall. It didn't fucking matter, right? Like We're just going to ground and pound you. So if you get day three, day two draft capital as a running back, you are drafted in rounds one, two, or three to finish a fantasy football season inside the top six, 
In round three, you have a 23.8% chance to be a top six running back, 25% chance in round two. And if you drafted in round one, back to 2015, you got a 58% chance to be a top six running back. Let's just go down. Let's go to top 12. If you are a day two running back, I don't care if it's round two or round three, you have a 33% chance to finish top 12 fantasy season, a top 12 fantasy season if you're a third round pick. If you're a second round pick, 31%. If you're a first round pick, 66%. This is just historical data. And then top 24, let's just go, you're just an RB2. 50% chance if you're a third-round pick, 75% chance if you're a second-round pick, and you're locked and loaded if you're a first-round pick. So here's the thing. You can like it, not like it. If the running backs, I don't care who it is, Zamir White, Brian Robinson, uh, James Cook, Dalvin Cook, uh, Chef Triple G from Guys Grocery Games, the people that cook in that kitchen. If you get drafted on day two and you're a running back, your historical odds of finishing as an RB2, having an RB2 season are exponentially higher than anything after that. So it's funny. You like numbers. You don't like numbers. You like film. You don't like film. You want to have it both ways. I like it both ways too. Uh, but you got to You got to pick. You got to pick. You got to pick a side of, of the fight here. So uh, that's round one of this mock. Let's go to round two, Jade. What did you think about Riz, Ritter slipping in there to the to the 112 spot? I think it's apropos, right? I think that at the end of the day is that, like you said, if these quarterbacks get drafted high enough, you need to consider them. Um, But I'm more interested in Chris Olave. You know, like I've been talking about it forever, it seems, where I've been telling people, you know, he's going to rise just because he's a good player. No one sees the elite ceiling, and I understand all that, but he's going to rise. And seeing him at 111 here makes a lot of sense because even a lot of people are talking about how he's going to surprise in the draft when capital comes around. What What did I say? What did I say? I must you have said you like it both ways. I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, Breaking news. Ray likes it both ways. Holy. Good days no. on uh, Wake no, Up. Wake no, up no, Ray no. no. As I'm talking too fast. I, I do not. I like it one way. <laughs> but shout out to those who do. I like it one way. But if you like it both ways, I don't hate. More I don't power to you. More pa- Hell yeah, man. More pa- I don't discriminate. I like it one way. But if you like it both ways... I love that for you. I love that journey for you in your life. But let me slow the hell down and let's get to the second round. All right, round two of this mock. Of this mock. Oh, God. Oh my God. All right, Christian Watson. Let's, let's pull the draft capital sheet back up. Christian Watson came off of the board at 201. How do I close comments? I can't look at comments. Christian Watson, 201. Me, uh, Alec Pierce came off the board at 202. George Pickens, 203. Interesting. Interesting that um he came off the board after Alec Pierce and Christian Watson. We'll talk about that. Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore. So another, like... This is the depth of this class, right? There's a lot of good wide receivers. If you, I guess, if you wanted to pass on a wide receiver in that first and you take the quarterback, if you believe in Matt Corral, like I look in round two and there's still some good wide receivers coming off the board at the top of the second, right? Uh, Sky Moore at 205, Rashad White, I made that pick at 2-6. Didn't really like it, but had to do it right um and you don't even see Rashad White drafted here I think he was a third rounder in this mock David Bell at 207 Sam Howell at 208 Carson Strong James Cook Trey McBride and John Mechie rounded out the uh, second round so I think we can remove the first round because the only player that got drafted in round one 
that's in the second is Jahan Dotson. So let's get that out of the way, and then let's pull up the third round to see where these guys went in round three. So let's move this over. So in the third round, uh, Sam Howell came off the board at pick 66 to Detroit. Trey McBride, Giants, uh, at pick 67. Sky Moore to Houston. Uh, we saw John Mechie. He went to Indiana, Indianapolis. Uh, where else? Rashad White, San Francisco. David Bell, Arizona. So there's the second round. Cutoff point for me, honest, honestly, my cutoff point, based on this, because, again, players that we're not seeing right now, we're not seeing James Cook, no Zamir White, no Brian Robinson. If it plays out like this and those backs don't get the requisite draft capital, like 205, I'm done. Like at two, like 206, 207, you can have yep. it. Like, I'm good. And if it's tight end premium, okay, give me 206 because I pushed Trey McBride up into that up into that cutoff point. But after that, I'm done, man. Like, I, I, And would you take Alec Pierce? I get it. Uh, athletic. He's got a ton of upside. But would you take Alec Pierce in the uh, in, in in this mock this situation to Atlanta over George Pickens uh, or Jahan nope. Dotson as a first round pick? Wouldn't take him over even Sky Moore. But I think this is where I was talking about, and I was laughing because this these are our draft slots, right? I had two hundred five and you had two hundred six, but it felt like the cliff just fell off after it Sky did, Moore. Man. People are going to say, "Oh well, Sky Moore was only a third round pick," but I'm like, for me, you, I Joe. look at the situation going to Houston. This is almost like the Terry McLaurin situation, right? Brandon Cooks is still there. We're expecting him to leave, whatever. But with Sky Moore, if he if he gets the draft capital, he has the breakout age, he has the production profile, he has the 10-yard split, he has the quickness, he has the acceleration. If he goes to Houston, I'm fine with it because right, the right, situation right. is great, right? But the drop-off after that is like, I don't really want any of these guys. Based off this mock, you know, more than anything else. But well, I'm, Alex Pierce, let's, though... Let's, I, I, listen, I... I, I don't just I'm asking y'all the in the comments like where's your cutoff point like based on and let's just play this out this is how the draft played out right like wh where are you like I'm good because here's what's gonna happen and it happens every year and I know people think like ah uh, no way that'll happen like you'll get a, you'll be in the rookie mock in your rookie draft and you'll be sitting at 205 and then somebody just has to have David Bell they have to have Trey McBride right and we haven't talked about it yet, but we've been talking about it privately um, inside the Discord. I know I'm jumping ahead two years, but Dynasty, like you're, you're you're thinking about best ways to pivot. And right now, maybe 2023 first are a little hard to acquire because people know the class is dope. But 2024, I'm telling y'all, when you start to see some of these players this season, this college football season, you're going to be like, man, if I can trade like the 206 for a 2024 first rounder, I'm out. You can have Carson Strong. You can have John Mechie. You can have all the, the Sam Howell you want. I'm out, bro. And Cody said it. 206, 207, I'm done. Then I'll be back. And, and that's it. Cody just nailed it. If you want that second rounder so bad, trade me a 2024 first and give me a third rounder. Give me a, th a fourth rounder. And I'll throw fucking darts, man. I'll throw darts at Pierre Strong. I'll throw darts at Keontae Ingram. I'll throw darts at random running backs in the third or fourth round. Let me get out of here. So this is uh, this is what happened. We're doing the show, and in the subdivision I live in, they're still building like, there's like three new houses being built. All of a sudden, everything goes black, just dead, everything dead. They cut the power line or did something, cut the power off. So we were out for like 20 minutes, but I know y'all thought I, I, and it's crazy, Jay, because I kept seeing like comments come through, 
but like yeah. no power. Like whenever, like you know. Anyways, y'all thought we were not gonna finish the show. We're gonna finish the damn show. We gotta finish the show. So we're back again to the loyal thirty of y'all that are in here. Thank y'all for not giving up hope. And I saw one of the best comments from Alvin right here. This is you got to put this in the actual YouTube comments. Greatest comeback since Kansas <laughs> over UNC. They're not keeping us down, Jay. It's not. They yes, they sir. cannot keep. They can't. ESPN is watching. ESPN is watching. They will <laughs> not keep us. Of all the days. Of all the days. They're like, there's no way. These dudes are talking about going, doing stuff this way, that Both way. Ways. Show going off. Uh, curse words left and right. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't even know where we were when we got cut off, Jay. I have no clue. But so, I've got time. I've got time. Yeah, this is going to be exclusive. You know, for everyone who's watching, this, this show could go an hour. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. Know. I don't but, know. We were talking about the 207. We were asking people okay. where their cutoff point was in the second round, right? Yes. You know, got a little yes. discombobulated, but we're back. We're back. Yes. We're back. Oh, so we're back. the biggest thing was for us, mm -hmm. Sky Moore was one of the guys I said, you know, if, if I can't get Sky Moore, I'm probably out. You mentioned Trey McBride and a tight end premium. You're right, out. Right, right, you know, right, right. We don't right. really care for David Bell. We don't really care for James Cook. We don't care for Carson Strong. We don't care for anybody after that. And then Cody Carpentier, our boy, was like, you know, I'll take a shot mid-second, but after that, give me late third, give me fourth round darts. And then we kind of were slowly moving into the third round. You know, like you said, Christian Watson, Alec Pierce, George yeah, yeah, Pickens, yeah. Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, Rashad White, <clears throat> David Bell, Sam Howe, Carson Strong, James Cook, Trey McBride, John Mechie, one of my guys. I do, I do like a lot, but yeah. back of the second, maybe a little early for me. But that's kind of where we're at with the second round. And so now we can kind of turn to the third round, see where those dart throws ended up that we were taking and uh, kind of go from there, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to be back. Yeah, man, it's good to be it's good to be back. Uh, we were definitely not going to come back tomorrow and do the show. So I was like, we got to fucking finish it today. Like, that was my, the one thing I was thinking. Hella, I'm like, there is no way Ray's coming back tomorrow. We hella high water. Today. We got to finish it today. But yeah, back to the back to the mocks. So we we talked about it. Yes, tight end premium. The only tight ends that I have any interest in, man, at this stage of the process, and you know, we'll see. Maybe it, I think Greg, the, Greg, I, I, I said Dolce and Gurbana. I, I Dolce, I think I pronounced his name wrong. He's another one that I'm in on. I think it's him, Trey McBride, and Jelani Woods in tight end premium leagues. If it's not tight end premium, I don't really care. Like I can find a, I can find a replacement level NFL guy. Even like a Harrison Bryant, right? Like I, I just I'm not spending any significant draft capital on these tight ends. Um, you know, likely was supposed to be this athletic freak, and then yeah. goes out there and tests Jalen Watermeyer levels of athletic and at tight end. That's what I'm looking for. I, I, athleticism does matter at tight end for me. I am looking for that. So, yeah, man, you, you look at Sam Howell, maybe, but in this mock, he's drafted to Detroit in the third round. I mean, is he any threat to uh, just asking? Is he any threat to Jared Goff? Like, say what you not want immediate. about Goff. No, not, not immediate. immediate. So, it just it got He's ugly. Kellen Mond Davis Mills, right? It was, and that last year was a coin flip. One was great and started, and one was terrible, and his coach wouldn't even play I, him. So, I think it's a good. I think it's a good fit for him, right? Like, it's a good shot. Like, he he could potentially mm -hmm. have an opportunity, but man, to, to take that in the second round when you could potentially be able to do what we were talking about. Trade out of two, pick up a first rounder in 2024, and maybe a dart throw at the back of the, you know, the back of the third, top of the fourth in this draft. That'd probably be a move, um, Jay, that I would be willing to make. Let's take a look at the fourth round of uh, of this uh, of this exercise. So yep. where's that at? All right, there's round four. Let's get that off the screen. Let's move this over. And let's take a look at round four. So round four, 
We have the aforementioned Isaiah Likely coming off of the board. Calvin did you Austin. skip round three? Oh, did I skip round three? My bad, my bad. I'm, yeah, uh, you skipped round bad. three. You my bad, round three. my bad, my bad, my bad. Let me go to round three. My bad, we're good, dog. we're good. All right, all right, here we go. Round three. Yeah, I knew something didn't look right. Like, we're like, shit, two to four. Uh, Jalen Tolbert off of the board at the top of the third. And in this mock, where was Tolbert taken? Um, Cleveland. It, we talked about this. It just seems like Cleveland is just a good fit for Jalen Tolbert. I don't know why, yep. but it seems like it's a good fit for him. Uh, Tyler Algier came off the board at 302. And in this mock, Algier was selected by the Giants in the fourth round. So top of the fourth round, day three running back, Jerome Ford coming off of the board. He was Denver selection at 115. Uh, Khalil Shakir, the wide receiver out of Boise State, went to Buffalo in this mock, right? So maybe an Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley replacement. Replacement, Greg Dolchich, Dolch, Dolch. He came off the board at 305. This was not specified as tight end premium, but this just shows you what people are valuing these tight ends. Now, he lands in Tampa Bay. Gronk, whether Gronk is there or not, he's got a good shot at being that tight end too. Um, you know, Cameron Bright there, no O.J. Howard in the way anymore. Uh, and then we get Pierre Strong off of the board. He was drafted in the fourth round in this mock, I believe. The fourth round, Pierre Strong, yep, to San Francisco. I took Brian Robinson at the 3-7. Brian Robinson was not drafted in this particular mock uh, by Oliver. So we assume fifth round draft capital at best. And it got to the point, man, where I'm looking at these cats on the board. I'm looking at Calvin Austin. Justin Ross, uh, you know, Tyquan Thornton. I'm just like, I don't want any of those guys. I'm, I'm just dart throw city at this point. And if I'm throwing darts in the third or fourth round, I'm throwing those darts at running backs. So for me, B-Rob, even if he's a fifth round pick, and I know the hit rate of that position is low, but maybe you find yourself the next insert undrafted free agent late round running back. I'm just taking the shot on Brian Robinson, and you were right behind me, and you did the same thing with Zamir White. Zamir White was not selected in this mock draft exercise, and you were like, I'm taking Zamir White at 308. Did you sort of think the same thing? Like, I'm not – I just don't want – I don't want Trey Berry. I don't want Khalil Shakir right here, or or he was off the board, but, like, you know, Tyquan Thornton and and all these other guys. You're just kind of like, screw it, right? A hundred percent. I even thought, honestly, I got him a little low. Like, I understand he wasn't drafted in this mock, but at the same time, he's still, you know, five-star prospects in real way. He's got the knee concerns, but still running back at Georgia, ran way faster than we thought, so he's clearly athletic as hell. And I understand that people want to take these receivers because maybe they got fourth-round capital, but fourth-round draft capital doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything for running backs. It doesn't mean anything for wide receivers. Just the hit rates aren't any better. So for me, I'm like, I can take a running back that maybe in this exercise didn't go this high, but we think right. has potential to be drafted in the second, third round. You know, maybe he's drafted fourth, fifth. But at that that point, if you want to bet on a talent, you're talking about betting on Brian Robinson, the productive running back out of Alabama. Prospect pedigree, great right. program, all that stuff. Same thing with Zamir White. Prospect pedigree, great program. Mm-hmm. Hard running style, big body running back that can hopefully hold up in the NFL. So it's better than betting on a scat back or a wide receiver out of Boise State or UCLA tight end. Like, I understand that you get all these guys, but we're talking about like blue blood program running backs that churn out guys every year. And to me, that's the better bet. It's it's interesting, man. Yesterday, I got to pull this up, Jay, because Jordan Backus, um, we were talking about conference hit rates, like just what conferences yep. you want players for. And I didn't think there was any merit to it. And then he started See? giving me the data. 
essentially the cliff notes are you want running backs and wide receivers from the SEC mm-hmm. and the Big Ten, fade Big 12 wide receivers. I'm, yeah. And I'm just talking the wholesale shit right here. But it was staggering, the hit rate for wide receiver success. I think it was like 30 40% you know, hit rate from the SEC and the Big Ten. And then when you got like to Big 12 and Pac-10, it was like 7%. 10 percent like it was like i was i was telling you even um from last year i'm like out on pac-12 running backs like i kind of liked tyler algier and i think he could be something but he was just something about the pac-12 running backs that just algier's not even algier's not even pac-12 okay so here we go here we go um let's let's just do this it's easier to, to 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 just screenshot it and drop it in here so let's get this off the board no one cares about this mock anymore the show the show is completely gone to to hell no one, you know, it's just fucking cutting off. It's just terrible. All right, so here we go. Here we go. Um, let's go since 2004. So here goes. So drafted wide receivers back to 2004. 28.57% of the top six at least once. So top six finishes since 2004 at least once at the wide receiver position 29% of the top six wide receivers are from the SEC, 14% are from the Big Ten, and 11% of top six wide receivers back to 2004 are from the Big 12. So over double uh, top six wide receivers drafted back to 2004 are from the SEC, and that's from 2004. So let's shrink the sample size and go back to the last 10 years, right? Here goes the last 10 years, which here we go. So let's do that and look at how bigger the gap gets for the last 10 years. 38%, 39% from the SEC, 22% from the Big Ten, and 5% over the last 10 years. Wide receivers drafted from these conferences. That's the hit rate, man, from the Big 12. And then we that's didn't CD even Lamb, put, right? That's, that's it. That's, <laughs> Who that's it. There's nobody else there. Well, it ain't Denzel no, Mims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rager, you know what I'm Lamb. saying? Like it's it's there. It is right there. There's your Big Twelve. Five percent, man. That have hit top six at least once. No, I don't think it was CD. CD wasn't top oh, six. Top six. Oh, it's Des okay, Bryant. It's Des Bryant. Yeah. Des Bryant sure. was the only one over the past ten years to be a top six guy. So again, I'm just. I, I'm just looking at the data, and when I'm in the later rounds, I'm not going to just be like, ah, oh, he's a big 12 receiver. I'm not going to take him. But I'm fact, I'm taking all the pieces of inf- information and kind of John putting Mechie. it into the puzzle, right? So now let's dive into uh, looking at top 12 for the last 10 years. Uh, so this is top 12. So this is okay. top six that we're looking at. Now let's take a look at top 12, all right? Top 12 from the last 10 years. JB is just a beast with this stuff. So let's give it a little bit like, all right, maybe they don't finish top six. Let's go top 12. Looking at the top 12 wide receivers drafted over the top 12 finishes over the last 10 years, 36.36% of top 12 hits were from the SEC, 15% from the Pac-12, and then 12% from both the ACC and the Big Ten. Do you notice which conference is not mentioned of the Power Five conferences? You got one, two, three, four. No Big 12, man. Oh, no yeah. Big 12, you know, over the last 10 years, man. Like this is or they're, they're just not in this. They're in there. Right. But the percentage is lower. At the bottom. Yeah. yeah, they're at the lower. Not saying that there aren't any. But man, where do these rates come from? 
uh, a bunch of just different tables and spreadsheets that JB compiles all this data. There's tons of good resources out there. Uh, Peter Howard has like a free database that people can access and he separates things by conferences. So you can just, uh, you can go in there and jig it around. Um, but yeah, this is what it is, man. So when you're just looking at conference hit rates, when I'm in the third and fourth round, when I'm looking at wide receivers, I'm looking at SEC, man. I want SEC guys. I want John Mechie. I'll take a shot yep. on those guys. I don't think he extra extrapolated it for running back because we were just talking wide receivers in this particular for this particular conversation. Um, what are the big? Oh no, no problem, Patrick. So Patrick said, uh, "I'm still a college scrub." Nah, man. You just not everybody taps into college. So the teams in the Big Twelve that are of notable Oklahoma. Uh, well, Oklahoma's going to the SEC, they but Oklahoma <laughs> was in there. Um, Oklahoma, Texas, we know they're going to transition to the SEC. They're trying to get their hit rates to matter a little bit more. Baylor, Texas Tech, mm -hmm. TCU, um, those are Do the main ones. Uh, would you say Iowa State? Iowa State's Brees in the Big right? 12. Yeah, Brees Hall, Iowa State. Those are like the notable ones. Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, TCU. Those are your Big 12 teams right there. Um, the ones, you know, Kansas State, Big 12, Kansas, Big 12. Uh, yep. So those are those are your teams in the Big Twelve. So basically, you just don't you just don't want those wide receivers, right? That's and you look back, Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims, uh, Kendall Wright, Corey Coleman, Limus Swede. Uh, the only hits and we went through it are like Des Bryant, Ceedee Lamb, Michael Crabtree, Wes uh, Wes Welker did fit into that category because he did have a top. Uh, top 12 finish back in 2013, I believe. Hmm. Uh, 20, 2013, 2012. Wes Welker from Texas Tech. Um, Tyler Lockett. James from Washington's Kansas another State. one, right? A yeah, flop. James Washington. But he, yeah, he was uh, all those Oklahoma State wide receivers outside of Des Bryant were flops. Rashawn Woods, uh, Blackman, uh, James yeah. Washington, all of those guys. So I don't know, just interesting data points um, when you're talking about conference hit rates and fantasy finishes. And there's got to be a correlation and maybe level of competition or or something 100%. like that. All right, let's go, four, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just pulling up the four. I was going to say dirty. it always comes down back to speed for me, right? And and you look at the speed in the SEC, it closely, it most closely mimics what you see in the NFL. And part of that is the level of players that go from the SEC to the NFL, right? I don't even know what the what the percentages is, but I want to say like somewhere around like 25% of players in the NFL are from the SEC or some wild number like that, especially on defense. So it's the speed that comes through the SEC that continues to show up. And so when you're playing in that, big difference than when you're not and you have to go to that, you're again taking another jump to a new level of competition. Yeah, competi Rose said it best. Competition matters. It does matter, man. You know, if, if you go back and look at some of those Baylor teams, when they were spread and shred with Corey Coleman and Tevin Reese and, and you know, Terrence Williams and company, they literally would line wide receivers up at the boundary, spread you out five wide, and Bryce Petty would just deal. But they're not facing Derek Stingley's and Patrick Sertain's and Roger McCrary's. They're not they're not going up against Jamal Adams and in the SEC defensive backs and even the Big Ten. The DBs in the Big Ten, they're not they're not going up against that competition day in and day out. And that's not saying that these players can't figure it out at the next level, but historically, you know, it, this is what have has me fearful of some of these Big 12 wide receivers, unless they're like elite level prospects, right? Like a Bijan Robinson, like an Xavier Worthy. So uh, fourth round of this mock, again, at this point, man, it's, I don't care. Isaiah Likely, Calvin Austin, like give me the shot on all the running backs. Ty Chandler, not mentioned in this draft, fifth round pick or later. 
Zonovan Knight, fifth round pick or later. Justin Ross was selected in the fourth round of this mock. I don't believe Wandell was selected. Um, and if no, he, he was, wasn't. Selected, he wasn't. Keonta Ingram, not selected. This quarterback, I don't want him. Romeo Dubs, I don't want him. Taquan Thornton, we just talked about Big 12 wide receivers. He's fast, right? So if you want a field-stretching kind of guy, if he gets requisite draft capital, maybe. Jerion Ely nor Master Teague were selected in this mock. So all these guys were fifth-round picks or later. I do not care about fourth-rounders in 2022. I have little to no interest whatsoever in actually utilizing that pick and making a selection. It's just dirty, man. It's just, it's 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 gross. So I think the optimal play, and somebody asked the question, in single quarterback leagues, where would the cutoff be? Is that around 112? Probably, yeah, yeah 112. Like first round, you want a first round pick. Maybe top of the second in single quarterback. I'm just... I'm 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 trying to go through the the list of names. Maybe a, a Watson is there at the top of the the second. Maybe Pickens, and if I don't have all the 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 team, like, but yes, you want the cutoff is 112, 202, 201. Uh, Might be maybe. 201, 202 if you're lucky, but I yeah. don't think it stretches much further than that because there's what four quarterbacks that were taken in the top 16. Right. Um, it was Malik Pickett, How? No, Malik Pickett, Ritter, and Corral. Right. So if you take four off of our top what, 16, 17 picks? That takes you about the 201, 202 for our hard drop-off point. <laughs> somebody, somebody said the third and fourth are for IDP players this year. Listen, I do have love for Kevin Harris. I was a big Kevin Harris fan coming into the college football season, and he broke his damn back. I've talked about that multiple times and then just kind of struggled to, you know, get, get – Zaquandre White played really well for South Carolina, so they weren't just going to bench him. Kevin Harris is a dart throw I'd be willing to take in the third. If I've got the third round pick, and I think somebody did that in this he mock. He was drafted 311 in the mock. 311 in right. the mock. 311 so in the mock, and then Kyron was 312. Was yeah. another two other and, running backs. And real that quick, we let's talk about that real quick. Kyron and Kevin Harris, I'd be willing to take shots at the back of the third on both of those guys. Like I am. Because the, the tape and the film, you can't watch Kyron and, and say like, oh, he looks bad. He looks good. He just tested like shit, right? Just tested terrible. Um, but if a team finds him worthy enough to take a shot on him, you know, sometime early in day three, on day three, he makes a 53, maybe he can maybe he can carve a role for himself. You know, we were saying high-end comp for Kyron Williams because of how good he is in the receiving game is Austin Eckler light. Um, if And Eckler was undrafted right now. Eckler was an athletic freak. I mean, he tested yeah. out of this world at his pro day. Um, but where Kyron failed at doing that, he did excel on the field against elite competition. So I think they kind of counteract one another a little bit. Um, that's a long way to go for Kyron to hit that ceiling of an Eckler, but it's not Eckler light. Disc, great value version of Eckler for Kyron isn't out of the woods. And Kevin Harris, man, he's got the requisite size. You look at what he did in the 2020 season in 10 games in the SEC uh, absolute monster, over 1,100 rushing yards. I think he had 30 plus receptions, showing that speed burst at five foot ten, five eleven, 215 plus pounds. I believe Kevin Harris is. He's got that size to where if he does get decent draft capital, I don't, I don't mind taking a shot on Kevin Harris either. I mean, he was really, really good um, in the SEC. And if you go back to that 2020 season, um, it was incredible. Eckler's 40. I think Eckler was like four fours, four threes at his pro day. Um, I think it was four fours, four threes at the pro day, something like that, and just crazy, right? Um, yeah, four so, four flat. Yeah, four four flat. That's what I thought. Low four fours, high four threes for uh, for Austin Eckler. So 
you know, smaller guys, sort of like Kyron Williams, but much more explosive, much more athletic. So that that's sort of the mock. So my my you know my takeaways and wholesale things that we talked about, Jay, two or six, two or seven, I'm out. If I could flip those, if I could flip those uh, for future first round picks, I'd one hundred percent do it, man. Oh, is that a statement or a question? I I didn't know even know you were sending that back to me. I, <laughs> but, you're yeah. on the screen. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that's the spot, right? 206 is is really for me even probably generous. I think based on what we've seen, 205 is right where I'm at. You know, that was where I was at. And I just saw a massive cliff cliff drop to where your pick right behind me. I'm like, you know, would I really want Rashad White? Not really, not with where he got drafted, not with what's been going on. But like you said, and like people are talking about in the chat, uh, Dynasty Barry saying it, it's the dart throws. You, you, it's just the tier gap is so big right there. But after that, there's just a massive amalgamation of players that you could take that are all going to probably land with similar value that I'd be willing to take a shot on any of them. You talked about Kyron, you know, late third. I, w- I would honestly take him even earlier than that if he feels so inclined. It's not like there's much of a difference. And for me, he's by far one of the best players I've seen on tape with the guys remaining, right? So I think even if you want to take him early third, I don't think there's a, really a problem with that because he's the tape, it works. Do you want to take him in the second round because of the draft capital? Absolutely not. But the tape doesn't lie. And so if, if you're taking a shot on the tape, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because he has the production, the tape looks great. It just comes down to the athleticism and the draft capital. And so if you say in the third round, I can kind of ignore those a little bit, I'm okay with it. So to Dynasty Barry's point, man, this is what's scary. This uh, this table is scary as hell to me, Jay. It, it it really it begs the question, man. Do you really want to bank on any of the rookie wide receivers? And if you have a shot to trade out of Drake London or Jamison Williams and pivot to Deontay Johnson or DJ Moore or Devontae Smith or Elijah Moore, is that a better bet? When you look at this, man. And this is this is data going back to 2015. So we're not even going back to, you know, 2004. We're looking at 2015, man. 2015. Top 6 finishes for wide receivers drafted in the first round is 10%. 10% of wide receivers that draft that are drafted in first round finish have a top 6 season, right? And I could probably tell you since 2015 who those three hits are. Y'all could at least get two of them. Second round wide receivers, 5.9%. Third round wide receivers, 6.9%. Fourth round, 0% hit rate. Fifth round, 6% hit rate, top six finishes. Like, this is scary. You know, we got seven wide receivers going in round one. There's a good chance only two of them are going to be worth a damn. Like, really good, right? Like really, really elite level that we're that we're projecting. When you look at top twelve finishes, right? All right, that's it's a little bit better, you know. But this is this is why people I understand why people were fearful of Amon Ross St. Brown because he was a fourth round pick and the hit rate back to twenty fifteen of those wide receivers being drafted in round four having a top twelve season is zero, zero percent, you know. Round one, it's a little bit better, 20%. At least you'll be a top 12 wide receiver. You get first-round draft capital, you got 20% shot, 21% chance of having a top 12 season. Second round, you know, 14%. Third round, 17%. But it just gets, like, it falls off even harder than the running back position, man. And, like, I, I it, it's just, it's the odds, right? It's, it's what we do. Like, 
all we're doing in fantasy is trying to find the best odds, right? And that's that's data combined with film, combined with draft capital, combined with landing spot. You're trying to stack as many favorable outcomes or potential for favorable outcomes in your favor as possible. That's all we're trying to do, right? If you only use one piece of information and you're like, fuck it, I don't care about anything else. I'm just looking at the tape. Well, you're not doing yourself a service. If it's just, I just look at the numbers. Like I'm, Peter Howard said it best. Shout out, like when early in my fantasy football content creation space, I had conversations with Peter Howard and he said, I'm trying to use as many colors as possible to paint the most complete picture possible. So I look at a little bit of everything. I take information from the film guys. I take information from the data. I take information, like what teams are telling me. I'm trying to just paint the most complete picture possible for the information that we have. And when I'm looking at this, Jay, all these wide receivers that we love, I love Traylon, I love Drake London, I love Garrett. All these guys aren't going to fire, and we know that, right? Yeah. So what's the better play? Is it drafting Jamison Williams, um, a one-year wide receiver coming off of an ACL? Is it spending the 106, 107 on Jamison Williams or potentially trading that pick for a wide receiver that we know has produced in the NFL just based on your odds of hitting what we it's like we don't draft these guys because we want them to be wide receiver 23 we don't yeah. draft them because we want them to be man I really want to spend this first to get this wide receiver 27 like we want maybe we're not we we know realistically we're not going to get Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson but we want top 12 wide receivers we want top 12 top 10 running backs like i'm just asking game theory here like what's the better play is it taking the selection on that or trading for one of these young players that we know have, have proven something in the nfl i think there's definitely a case to be made right you talk about 20 percent. we think there's gonna be five receivers drafted in the first round this year so one of them is gonna hit and at least three of them were like oh they're locked and loaded they're gonna hit they're definitely gonna make it and i think that's the scary part and and the bigger question i think even more so is like we're talking about guys like Devonte adams stefan diggs cooper cup guys that are older that are gonna produce that really aren't that difficult to get in dynasty because they're older and so if someone really wants to take a shot on a garrett wilson or you know a drake london are are you now starting to think maybe even would i add a second round pick like we're talking a mid first like 108 and a 208 to go and get a guy that you view as basically elite for the next two or three years because you know you're getting that production. You're not going to necessarily get the value spikes of the rookie and be able to trade them for multiple firsts. But if you're going after production, would you be even willing to trade that first and second to get one of those guys to guarantee yourself that production? Joe said it's probability. It is. It's probability games. Um, it really is. Like we, we're looking at it. Like there's a lot of factors. If you really start diving in, there's a lot of factors, but it truly is. Probability that shit matters. You know what I mean? These hit like that's not fake. That is yeah. real. I mean, look at 2020. Look at the wide receivers drafted from 2020 in the first round. Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, um, uh, Jalen Rager. Was there another one? That's five. Ruggs, Judy, Rager, Jefferson, Ayuk. So five of those guys. And there's only there's all and CeeDee Lamb, CeeDee Lamb, six of them from 2020. Yeah. The only one that finished top six was was Justin Jefferson. Jefferson. That's the it. only one to finish top twelve was Jefferson, right? He's the only, he's one that, the only hit. Did, did only Lamb hit. hit a top twelve? Did Lamb hit no. a top twelve? I, no, not top twelve. I mean, it's no way. It's interesting, right? Um, and somebody said, "Well, what can what the question is? 
what can you get in terms of JMO for NFL wide receivers? I think what you have to do, the pick without the name is worth more than the player, in my opinion. Like the 106 100%. is worth more than Jamison Williams. Even if you're going to take JMO at 106, the play is to trade the pick, not make the draft selection and then trade the player. The pick is worth more because it's still an unknown, right? And somebody right here, Roman, just said, I traded the 106 for Chris Godwin in a 202. Wow, man. That's that's a great trade. I, th I think so. I can I get it. Godwin's what? He's only 25, coming off the ACL. But if you're saying... If, if Brees Hall's off the board, if Kenneth Walker's off the board, if some of the receivers that, like, I'm doing that 10 out of 10 times. You want my 106 and you're going to give me Chris Godwin and then I get another shot at 202 at a, at a Jahan Dotson, at a Christian Watson? Yes, 100% I'm doing that. So, again, I, I'm not trying to pivot and scare somebody off of rookie picks, but the reality is all these cats that we love, all these cats that we're talking about, they're not going to, they're not going to fire. Like we're not, we're not even in this, even in the great, think about how great the 2020 class was built up to be. JT, Swift, yeah. Clyde, Akers, Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, AJ Dillon, CD Lamb, uh, Jerry Judy, Jalen Rager. It was built to be uh, LaVisca Chanel. It was built to Michael Pittman. It was built to be this fun. T Higgins, God, I'm just going on and on. And then you look back and you're kind of like, all right, Swift, Jonathan Swift, Taylor, JT, and who else? Right, <laughs> Jefferson, Pittman, Gibson, Acres, eh, Dobbins. There. Dobbins. The, the, I mean, the Ravens are talking about drafting another running back, and you know, J.K. Dobbins' dynasty value is a top ten running back. It's just, it's a, it is a very tricky and risky proposition. Um, you know, for me personally, as I think about this, Jay, if if I don't. Brees Hall and right now where we stand, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, in my opinion, seem to be, seem to be the surest of bets right now. Like it's two. Like if I if I had to put 100%. my life on two of the guys being top twelve at their position, it would be Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker right now. Um, it's just interesting, man. It's it's an interesting conversation. Joe said, "Hold on, she's got a trade too." I traded the 102 for Stefan Diggs two months ago, Ray, in a 1QB league. Like, great. She wasn't getting Brees Hall. So now it's, you know, Kenneth Walker, Stefan Diggs. Give me Stefan Diggs. Tethered to Josh Allen for the next four or five years. All she's trying to do is win. I'm trying to win now. I don't care what happens six years from now. I got Stefan Diggs for the next four years. I'm good to go. He's the wide receiver one in Buffalo. Traded the 102 for it in a single quarterback league. I like it. Here goes another one. I traded 102 and Ayuk for AJ Brown. Good for you. Like I, I, I just, I'm just having, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here, Jay. You get what I'm saying, bro? Yeah, man, for sure. I think the bigger question for me now is like I'm second guessing all of this, and and I'm going through. <laughs> Like my thought process, I'm like, okay, I really want Garrett Wilson. I think he's gonna be a great receiver. I, I really want Trey like London, but it's just like. Man, you know, it, it's the conversation we had with the patrons probably like, what, a month ago now, a month and a half ago. If these guys don't hit, if even if they do what Devontae Smith did, where he had 900 yards and broke his team record for rookie receiving, and his value did not go up. His value remained exactly the same. That's great. Oh, oh, David G. David Dropping G. Dropping bombshells. 
traded the I mean, 104 and 105 on, in Superflex for Jamar Chase. I, Jamar Chase is special, man. I, I'm telling you, it, Jamar Chases do not grow on trees, and they are probably not in this draft class. It's just the truth. Listen, man, and okay, Austin makes a good point. Although CD hasn't finished top 12, would you consider him a hit considering he's valued as a top five? That, and that's no. That, well, no. Well, let's real like. It depends on what you're trying to just, do. It, but we don't but it give did, out hits, though. You got to hit it. Right, right, not, right, right. You're either in right. it or you're not. The value, right. sure, but that's but that's the market dictating the value. Either he hits top 12 this year or he doesn't. But CD's the same thing. If he doesn't have a really good year this year, yeah, people are going to be having questions because yeah. there's there's no excuse. Oh, it was Amari. It was Gallup. It was Dak wasn't good. He was hurt. And those yeah. are valid points. I'm not saying they're not. But this year is the year he has to prove it. And if he doesn't, his value is going to go way down because there's so, plenty of guys who've outproduced him. So the, I, I think there's two there's two answers to this. One, no, he wouldn't be considered a hit because he hasn't done it. But if you have CeeDee Lamb because the community still values him so high, you still have an opportunity to, to capitalize on that value, right? If you still believe in CeeDee Lamb, I'm still a CeeDee Lamb believer. I do think this is the season it happens for him. But you've, you've got a good situation because you still have a valuable asset. Being valuable is different than actually hitting, right? There are some players, Sam Darnold still had value, you know, going into year five, being terrible as hell. He still had value. So you still have a valuable asset, but he, he doesn't hit. Like he, those that have CeeDee Lamb on their roster, they don't really care how valuable he is. They're pissed off that he hasn't become a 1,400 12 touchdown, you know, type wide receiver. They're like, ah, you know, yeah, he's valued at this high, but this fucker's not giving me the production that I'm looking for. So I think it's a good question, but can't consider him a hit, but you do still have a very valuable, very valuable, um, very valuable uh, asset on your team. Uh, what else do we have? Malik Willis is already a hit. You got to pay Justin Fields to get him. And it's it, so Scott Connor and I were texting about this yesterday. Um, and and I want to I want to capture exactly what he said verbatim, and uh, because it's not it's not that he's hit, but he says that um, you know we were talking about Justin Fields, and he said startup cost and market value on Fields and Fields and Lance and T Law is a massive disconnect. Like the startup cost and then the market value, there is a disconnect. And I think Malik Willis, you know, there are people who are just for whatever reason, because of, of Justin Fields' situation last year, they're out. Malik Willis isn't a hit, but he's got a shit ton of value. And what I would do in that situation, if people value Malik Willis over Justin Fields, which means I've got to, you got to pay Fields plus to get him. If I can trade Malik for Fields and like, if I can do that on the yeah. reverse, I'm smashing that. I will give you my Malik... The thing is, I would probably give you Malik plus to get Justin Fields, but if you're telling me I can get Fields plus to get Malik to to trade away Malik Willis, I'm doing that in a heartbeat, Jay. In a heartbeat. Yeah, 100%. And like you mentioned, right? It comes down to the prospect pedigree. Why are we betting on a guy who couldn't even make it in the SEC, couldn't beat out Bo Nix? And those are valid points. As much as I like Malik Willis, he had to go to Liberty just to get his shot at production. And so you're talking about Justin Fields, a player who was great in the SEC but didn't play because Kirby Smart wanted to do his thing, and then goes to the Big Ten, the second-best conference to a lot of people, and in my opinion, 
and balls out. So yeah. again, if you can make that transition, but I think like you said, maybe you can trade the 102 for Justin Fields plus more than you can trade Malik Willis well, for yeah. Justin Fields Value plus. Value and hit are, are different. Hit is they're on your roster and they hit. They were top 12. They were top six. They were top 24. But the value is different, right? Hit to me is did you finish that fantasy season as a top six wide receiver, top six running back, top six quarterback, top 12 quarterback? Value is different than hit. Hit is you're on my roster. I played you. You met the threshold. You were top at your position. Value is something completely different. Again, Sam Darnold had first round, 2023 first round value that people were giving up. That doesn't mean he was a hit in any stretch, any sort of uh, realm of, of the universe, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, so basically, and, and it's Trey Lance, right? Trey Lance is not a hit yet. He's valued nope. extremely high, but far from a hit. We'll see. Very far. We will. We shall see. So I guess the big question I want everybody to think about is, as we approach this, and the hype only intensifies. And once we get closer and closer to the draft and, and teams start making moves and trades start getting made and there becomes more clarity of landing spots, these 2022 picks, all of them, from round one to round, at least through round two, that value is going to creep up, creep up, creep up. I would highly consider thinking about some of the second-year wide receivers that for whatever reason, uh, you're not going to get Chase at any kind of value. Put like Smith, um, third-year wide receiver like a Michael Pittman, maybe even a Jerry Judy going into year three with yeah. Russell Wilson. You know, would you rather, I'm asking the question, would you rather Jamison Williams or Jerry Judy right now? I'm taking JMO. I think JMO is okay. the one receiver that I really, really believe in um, to be a top 12 guy. And especially, you know, we'll see where he goes ultimately. But I, I think that the competition concerns for Judy are going to be real regardless of who his quarterback is. I know we all want him to be the Blitnikoff winner he was as a sophomore, but it's not looking like that yet. But we'll see what happens this year. You know, can he be a target hog for Russell Wilson? I don't personally believe so. I think Corlin Sutton will have something to say about that. But if you want to make that bet, I don't hate it because if he hits, he's going to be super highly valued. And if Jamison okay. Williams doesn't play much, he's not. It's just the truth. Okay, Chris Olave. I'm just going to lump them together. Chris Olave, Christian Watson, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, Sky Moore. Sky Moore. Would you rather any of those guys or Jerry Judy? Oh, I think that's where... For me, it's almost a coin flip, right? I don't know if I could pick one or the other. There's the shiny new toy fallacy that... I want to live in, right? Do, can they spike in value? I think I would, man. I think I okay. would. I think I'd want to take a shot on the new on the new guy hitting over Judy in some respects. But Devontae, it's Devontae it's Smith over that cluster over. No, the, I'm De taking I'm taking Smith. Smith is Smith to me is basically a hit already. Smith or J I'm, Smith or J Mo. I think that's a real conversation. I think in most cases it would be J Mo. I think Smith, it's very close. Smith or Traylon? Oh, I'm taking Smith for sure. For sure. I, it's just JMO to me has a ceiling beyond pretty much anyone else in this class that we could see. And so as much as I like Devontae Smith, the chances of JMO going to a better situation are very high given how bad Devontae Smith's situation is right now. And so I'm, I'd be willing to bet on the talent of JMO that I really, really like. Smith or Drake London? I think I would take Smith. So if that's if that if we're going off of that Smith or, or let me just ask the last one shit I've done done gone through all of them Smith or Garrett Wilson 
I think I would go with Smith still, but that one's so, very close as well. So what you're telling me is the only wide receiver that you would take over Devontae Smith from this rookie draft class is Jamison Williams. So just on that, on building off of that. Yeah. Then why not? Then at if you've got the 105, you should trade that for Devontae Smith plus. Get Devontae Smith plus a third then. Probably should. You, you realistically, you probably should. I think that the only concern with Devonte Smith is is the quarterback. If he didn't have such a bad offense to be operating, and he could be an eleven hundred yard receiver, he could be better than Garrett Wilson. He could be better than Drake London. It's really just the Jamison Williams ceiling is very tantalizing for me, and, and one that I will be targeting heavily in rookie drafts because he won't be drafted as high. People will take Wilson and Drake and all these guys over him, but he's going to slip in draft in the actual draft because of the ACL tear. And he'll probably go to a better team who really wants him. And because of that, I'm going to be drafting him. It's just, it's it's interesting to think about that, man. All right, so we did have one super chat question before the thing went out. And I am sorry, it's gone. So I think I I found it. I think I found it. That's when I was scrolling hard. Uh, People are asking you to do a wake-up show on April 29th, the day after the NFL draft. And they want to know, can we make that happen? Will we make that happen? This is the all-access show, the show that no one's ever going to see. But they're asking about that because obviously people are going to have rookie drafts on the weekend and on and before the show potentially even on Monday. How are we going to help the people out with their drafts? There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We, you want to do it? We can. I think it just depends on what, what's going on uh, behind the scenes, but I think definitely we can make it happen. It just basically, depends on where you're at. Jay, right? What Jay just said is you, you can't, he can't do it, but if I want to do it on my own, he'll set it up for me. No, do, no, no. We can do it. It just I depends may on be, what's going I on. May, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some stuff going on. I may actually be out there, but I think we can still jump on. I mean, I can bring the laptop and – yeah, have to be I like can always back. I can always host a stream and we can we can yeah. have some fun with it and talk about the landing spots for yeah. sure. Um, we'll it's just the logistics of it will be could be yeah, more we'll difficult. Than we expect. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it but, out. We'll figure it out. Um, Ty had one too. He said, "Where does Eddie George land in your all-time running back ranks?" Uh, probably somewhere inside the top twenty. But for me, right off the bat, it's Adrian Peterson, Barry Sanders, Ladanian Tomlinson. Um, uh, AP, LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith. I don't know who would be five. I mean, I could say like Jim Brown and Eric Dickerson, but the reality is I didn't fuck, I didn't see those guys. Play. Christian like McCaffrey. That, right, yeah. That that was not my error. So I think right now, like off of what I saw growing up, just dominant type running backs that was just fun to watch. Uh, AP, Barry Sanders, um, you know, Ladanian was super, super good. I, I loved watching him at TCU. That was like my first taste of TCU. It's back when TCU before they were like they weren't even in the Big Twelve when LT was there and just just dominant. It was fun to watch. But um, uh, Joe Joe was talking about uh, she still has truth or status for like Keyshawn Vaughn. I got some players that I can't quit either. I just will never quit certain players and hopefully they'll break out. David and Joe Cooper being one of those. Uh, uh. T- what is this? I don't even know if this is a. If this is a. I don't know. I think Jasmine just typed this in here. Ja, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. Doesn't look like the other super chat questions. But Jasmine, when are the Friday shows coming? Jay, I think in season, right? In season. Well, it depends on what we want to do, but the plan was to do a big like betting prop show on Fridays in season. Yeah, yeah when we get all the props and we can really talk about that and. I think that was the plan for Fridays, but I don't know if that means we do shows Monday, 
through Friday in season. Oh, shit, no. We, will, we definitely won't. do. But with the Friday show, I think it's coming in season, Jazz. Thank you. Jasmine, thank you for your super chat question. We really, really, Jay Rich appreciates this. You are awesome. You are awesome. Um, even somebody said send help. Fucking Jazz fake super. I can't stand her, dude. Who does that? She legit did it to US $5 super chat. She is such a wild one. But um, all right. Appreciate y'all tapping back into the second half of the wake up show. For those of y'all who didn't hear, they're building a couple of houses. <laughs> they're still building in the subdivision that I'm in and they cut the power. So the power went black. Uh, but appreciate y'all tapping in the first half. Appreciate y'all tapping in the second half. Y'all have a wonderful freaking weekend. The ladies killing it at the end. Jazz Joe and Lindsey Mack tying the building. Luke Turner, 200 IQ for Jazz. Double stream. Yeah, we couldn't we couldn't leave y'all hanging like that, uh, Robert, man. We couldn't do that to y'all. So y'all have a great weekend. And we'll be back with that fake $5 from Jazz on Monday. We out. Peace. Peace.